Good stuff. Well, we are still in the book of Acts, and we are in chapter 9 as we continue our journey understanding the conversion of Saul of Tarsus from where he was a persecutor of the Christians and the Christian faiths to now a defender of that same faith. Last week we listened as he spoke boldly for the Lord. In doing so, he began to feel the persecution that he himself had been bringing to the Christians. We also spoke of how he, like we, all need to get some time alone with God so he can speak to us as only he can. Today I'm going to pick up our story in Acts 9, verses 23 and 24, where we're going to stop and talk a bit about the importance of knowing history. We're also going to talk today, we're going to bring, we're going to allow Saul and his story and the persecution of the church from there, and we're going to bring it into some reality of today. And some of these things may be uncomfortable. Let me just say that. So, as uncomfortable as it may be for you to hear, it may be just as uncomfortable for me to preach but our job, my job, those in ministry, is to prepare those for the times to come. Amen? And we're going to allow the Word of God to lead us through that today. So we're going to go through verses 23, 24, and 25 of Acts 9 and get started. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Amen. How surreal that must have been. The very same people Saul came to do the work for, that is arresting Christians, were now trying to kill him. You know, if that was a trailer on Netflix, it would look pretty good, wouldn't it? I mean, what a, what a story, uh, a good detective story that's coming up. Paul or Saul, tells of this near-death experience in his second letter to Corinthians. Some 15 years later, he writes this, 2 Corinthians 11, he says, At Damascus, the governor under King uh, Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Now, what got these so, people so mad at Saul was because they had no answers to his arguments that Jesus was the Christ. Verse 22, we are told, Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews. So Saul was confounding the scholars of the Jews in Damascus, and in doing so, he received the same reception that the apostles got when they were, went against the authorities in Jerusalem, and they received persecution and even threats of death. Boy, people just don't like to be told when they're wrong, do they? Even if they are wrong, it doesn't matter. They don't like to be told. Proverbs 26 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Oh, that's tough stuff right there. Saul escapes a good example of the quote, Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. If someone here had taken the time to know their history, they would have remembered when Moses sent the spies in to seek out the land that the Lord was going to give him, Rahab provided a very similar escape, right? 
she says, she let them down by a rope through the window on the wall of the city. In 1 Samuel, David escaped the same way. He says, let David down through the window, and he fled away and escaped. We should take our time to know our history. It may save our lives, as it did Saul's here. Part of that history is to know that as a Christian, you will receive persecution. In uh, Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. Did you know that at one point it was illegal to print a Bible in America? Yeah. Sure enough, we think about persecution, we think about all kinds of other countries, but at one time it was actually illegal to print Bibles in America. It was only after the Revolutionary War that it was legal to print Bibles. I would say days like that may come again and may have already come. What if I told you that just recently an article in BeliefNet, this is what it says, a South Florida teacher banned a fifth-grade student from reading the Bible during free reading time. Fifth-grade student during free reading time couldn't read the Bible. Or an Arizona pastor was told he couldn't hold Bible study in his house. Michael Salem was arrested for hosting one in his home on his 4.6-acre property and ordered to serve a 60-day jail sentence and pay a fine of $12,000. The Phoenix uh, the city of Phoenix said that he was found guilty of zoning violations. The judge said it had nothing to do with religious rights. Hmm. Now, you're going to love this one. The Arizona Book Banning and Burning Board, and yes, there is such a thing, says, oh, yes, that's a real group, uh, banned any teachers or reference to the Bible in its schools. The board determined that the book violated the state's ethnic studies bill, by being biased in favor of the Jewish people. That's a chuckle right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say it is biased towards the Jews. Uh, a seventh grade student was told not to use reference to the Bible for her class assignment on Roman history. Told she couldn't use the Bible as a reference for Roman history. <laughs> I, I, when I read that, I had to stop. She couldn't use the Bible. How absurd. Out of the 10 oldest surviving books known, the Bible is represented twice. Oldest books ever. But yet she couldn't use it for her history. I mean, what is that? But it is not a historical reference in uh, Oh, yeah. But in Arizona, I assume, okay, that Arizonians are more interested in getting a tax credit for their golf cart than ensuring their grandkids can read the Bible, amen? And that's all about who you vote in office. Here's some new news from the Christian Post in July of 2022. It says, despite what some may claim, Christians are being persecuted in America. That might be hard to hear, but it's true. Even through the United States is arguably the freest nation on the planet, Christians still face already increasing persecution. And we need to recognize and prepare for it. Consider that churches were forced to close with no solid scientific evidence supporting that decision at the time, nor provided sense for months in 2020 and 2021, 
even as casinos and strip clubs were allowed to stay open. You know what the reasoning for that was, right? Same way liquor stores are allowed to stay open. They, they thought it would help your mental stability if you're able to go get a drink. Well, I'm not going to argue that, okay? But I'm like, I'm thinking church is more important than getting a drink. For years, private Christian business owners have been dragged into court, targeted for destruction by the LGBTQ movement. I've heard from Christians who know they are unlikely to ever get promoted past a certain point at major corporations and consulting firms for holding to their sexual ethics. What do you call it when a Christian is fired for believing that according to God's word, God made men as men, women as women, and there's only those two genders, or for refusing to tell lies by using she, he, her, or they to describe him? That is called persecution. It's no longer enough that Christians be asked to just tolerate this increasing display of freedom in the name of the liberal order. No, now we must celebrate it too, <coughs> or we will suffer. Now, I'm going to tell you that's the God's honest truth right there. I spent uh, 39 years in the corporate environment, the one my wife is still in. And uh, she's literally, they want to force everyone to celebrate their agenda on how they believe the world should be in that corporate environment. Uh, there is every kind of day celebrated at that place now except Christian Day. You know, I mean, it's, it's true. It's, it's extremely sad. It's time for Christians to wake up, this article says, to the reality and join the effort to fight back. You may not be fed to a lion today, but that doesn't mean your child won't get 20 years at a federal pen for refusing to say that man can be, can't be a woman, end of quote. Scary. There's quickly coming a day when one of us or our relatives may need to be lowered in a basket to escape persecution like Saul. And that's the whole truth of the matter. And that's why I'm bringing this up today. This day is closer than you can possibly imagine. Because of these truths, I recommend that Christians vote and that they support organizations who are called to fight for freedoms in the courts. I personally support, and physically and financially, the group called CCDF. That's County Citizens Supporting Freedom. You can get with Susan. Susan, where are you? She's right there. She's our representative to that group. And get more information from her. But they're a real organization that makes changes within the courts and within the schools, and they got real money behind them. Okay? So you need to get with them and find out about it. Proverbs 9 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he'll increase in his learning. Proverbs 18 15 says, The mind of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Learning from our history and learning from others makes us wise. One of the things we need to keep our faith alive is teach it to others. Second Timothy tells us, teach the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust them to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. We are to teach these truths of the Lord to others who we hope will be faithful then to teach them as well. That's what Saul was doing. He was now traveling to Jerusalem to get confirmation or give confirmation that he is who he says he is, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Verse 26, and when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and declared to them on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm sure most of us have encountered a time 
when we were unsure of someone that was brought into our company, just as most mothers are cautious about those who their daughter brings home as a friend, most fathers are extremely cautious about those boys who daughters bring home as boyfriends, amen? You know, so there's always some amount of cautiousness that's happened. We might can look back and remember when we had a friend in high school who was a sworn enemy of another person. And now in adulthood, we find ourselves in a place where we have to work or get in a professional relationship with that person. We wonder, have they changed? Are they who they say they profess they are? You have not seen or heard from them in years, and the last time you did, they were far from the individual they claim to be today. Uh, Jamie said something today. It was in my message as well. I can remember in Jamie's first years, specifically in the ministry, he would encounter some club rats that played music with him back in the day, and they, they were like, you're playing in a church? And, and they wouldn't believe him, right? Because that Jamie was a completely different Jamie. Well, not completely, but he was a lot more different than he is today. You know, and it wasn't until they got like a third-party verification to truly believe that Jamie had made a change. Saul's situation is like this. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, for they did not believe he was a disciple. To be a disciple is to be one who accepts and assists in the spreading of the doctrine of the gospel, in this case, Jesus Christ. When they last knew of Saul, he was just the opposite of that. What Saul needed was an advocate, someone who these men knew, whose reputation was without repute, that could speak on Saul's behalf. Enter Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. It says the disciples were afraid, verse 27, but Barnabas took Saul and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now I'm sure that it helped his case that he was under a death threat from Damascus, but Barnabas gives testimony to the testimony of Saul. Now why is that important? Because we need to be able to do the same thing. We need to be able to be advocates for others. And as the day grows closer and there becomes more persecution, just because you are a Christian, you need to make sure you have advocates in your corner. When I was working in the corporate world, when you would get a security clearance, okay, they would take you over to the security vault, and the security man would uh, brief you on whatever the program was, but then he didn't just open the door and let you out and go back to work. No, they had to bring somebody from that particular program to the security vault, and the security man would then do a, a formal uh, introduction, even though I knew the guy for four years, but I hadn't been working with him on that program. But he would be introduced as this person here is now the same as this person here when it comes to information, knowledge, and access. And that person would then walk with me back to the program area and then go through the program area and introduce me to everybody in the program area, okay? So you had this face-to-face introduction. There was no word of mouth. It was like your, your reputation was based on the reputation of the person that was with you, okay? And you got this advocate for you. Well, how is that important, and why is that important to us? Well, at the time during Christianity, when Christianity spread, and they were under great persecution, the same thing had to happen. 
Many of you people have seen uh, the little fish marker that you know, is on the back of cars and on bumper stickers and everything else. I especially like to see it on the back of a bumper sticker when someone's having road rage. Like, did you forget what's on the back of your car? That's why I don't have one. Okay? But here's the thing. What they would do, because they didn't have an advocate, when they would go to another city, okay, and they would begin to speak with someone, they would take their walking staff, and they'd just draw, draw an arc in the sand as they were speaking, nonchalantly draw an arc. If the other person was a Christian, he would complete that arc. And what did you get? The sign of the fish. Okay? And they would know that they were now with another Christian, another believer. And they were safe to speak about such things, told where they could go. One of the things we have to worry about is we should not grow complacent in our faith, but know that here again we will face a similar peril. I want you to hear this on Matthew 24, verse 9. It says, They will deliver you over to be persecuted and killed, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name, Jesus says. At that time, many will fall away and will betray and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. Scary, but if it were not true, Jesus would not have said that. And he is the one who said that. He said, this is coming. And there are places today where still Christians are being killed just for being Christians. Okay, There's a story that came out of... Uh, Indonesia somewhere where Pastor Regin was uh, in his house holding church. Uh, these Hindus came in, uh, grabbed him up, beat him, paid the police to beat him even more. Okay, this is in 2020 of October, and uh, he not, he's not going to recover. He will die from his injuries. Here's a really scary one. It comes from the International Society for Civil Liberties and Rule of Law 2022 report. A total of 6,006 Christians in Nigeria were hacked to death from January 21 to March 22. A recent investigation has established, noting that the number has doubled in recent years. Now, we think that couldn't happen here, right? I mean, that sounds terrible. I mean, why did they have to put that in there? Why couldn't they just said they were killed? Because they weren't. You know why? They had good gun laws over there. So what do the bad guys use to kill you? Machetes. Give them a gun. I'd rather be shot, Amen. I'd rather be able to shoot back. Here's the thing. They kill them. They kill them dead for no other reason than that they were a Christian. And we think, well, that couldn't happen here. How could you spin up a whole society, a whole country, to determine that the Christians were bad? Well, let's look at something that's happened recently. Here's a whole list of things that are written down or Actual incidents that happen, and you can look them up. A lot of them have videos with it. It says, a mandatory mask law was in effect in Park City, Utah, in July 2020. A woman entered to get her shopping done. Immediately, she was confronted by a male customer who began to yell at her and shove her with his cart. Now, the woman ended up having a medical condition and was actually didn't have to wear the uh, mask, but that guy didn't know it at the time. Instead, she was received with violence. 
Manhattan Beach, California, two men were sitting eating their food. They were confronted by a man and a woman who were yelling at them for not wearing the mask. Eventually, the woman got so angry, she threw her hot coffee in the face of one of the guys. When Charles Riedel Moody went to a local flea market to do some shopping, he forgot to wear his mask. When he was observed, the police were called. They violently placed Moody under arrest. A recording shows the arresting officer as well as private citizens attacking Moody, who was unarmed and was no other threat. While getting off a bus in the Florida Keys in early 2020, a man removed his mask to make a phone call. When the bus driver, Danny Santos, saw this, it enraged him. He abandoned his station on the bus, grabbed a metal rod, and tried to attack the man. In Melbourne, Australia, people were seen attacking a young woman on the street, taking her to the ground, choking her nearly unconscious, and kicking her in the chest. All the while, the person making the recording, hollering, hey, you can't do that. You need to social distance. Quebec, a man ran into Tim Horton's restaurant without a mask. So the shop called the police. The encounter ended with the man who had not engaged in any violent attack, being pepper sprayed by the police and tackled to the ground. San Diego, something similar. A woman approached the O'Brien family who were not wearing masks at a dog park and started berating him. The couple wouldn't respond to the aggression, which promoted the angry woman to become more unhinged. Soon after, she returned with pepper spray and proceeded to use it on the couple and their dog. It goes on and on and on. Here's the worst one in Ontario. Guy went to a local grocery store without a mask. Got in a dispute with the, with the employees, resulting in the man leaving. The store called the police. However, officers arrived after the man had left. Now he's gone home. The police were able to identify the man. They pursued him. When the police arrived at his house, they drew their guns, demanded that he came out, and then shot his ass dead because he didn't wear a mask. So why am I telling you this? Because it's crazy. You wonder how Nero got away with taking Christians nailing them to a cross, pouring oil on them, and using them to light the streets of the city. You thought, how, why wouldn't someone stop him? Because he had convinced everybody that Christians were the reason for everybody's problems. Why was there a Holocaust? Because uh, Hitler had convinced everyone that the Jews were the problem for everyone's problem. So you don't think it could happen here? We just saw a microcosm of the craziness that happens over a simple thing by a disagreement of a mask. And the whole world went crazy. I mean, the whole world went crazy. How easy it's going to be when they choose to turn that to those of you who call yourselves Christians. And here's something really scary. How many of us had disagreeing views on the mask or even the shot within those in your own home? Yeah. Okay, so do you know this passage? Do you know this passage? From now on, in the house, there will be five. But three will be divided against two and two against three. 
and they will be divided. The father against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So don't think it can't happen. History already shows us it has, and it will happen again just like that, just that quick. Within two weeks, the whole world shut down, and we literally had families that were willing to go to war with each other in the same house, okay, because of the information that they were being told, which now we know, okay, whether it was credible or not credible, was not completely true. Amen? Where I lost on the whole mass thing was when that, what's that idiot's name that was the health guy? Yeah, Fauci. He's in an interview. I'm, I'm listening to him in an interview. And the guy in the interview said, why did you tell us we didn't need masks in the beginning? He said, well, we didn't want everyone to go out and buy them so that we wouldn't have any. He lied. He said, yeah, yeah, I lied to you guys, but I'm not lying to you anymore. Do you see what I'm saying, how quickly it's going to happen? If they can get that kind of divisiveness in your own house from your son or your daughter. Do you think they're not going to be able to do that when they claim that the Christians are the problems and sons and daughters begin to turn in their parents because they didn't turn in their Bible? When they say you can't have a Bible anymore, it'll be illegal. Do you think that's not going to happen? Oh yeah, it's going to happen. We just saw a microcosm of it right here. Within two weeks, the whole world went crazy. That's why the Lord puts all these things in his word. to tells us, beware, this is going to happen. And then we saw it with Nero. We saw it with the apostles. We saw it here with Saul. Those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. We can't predict who will be the ones to turn others in and who will be the ones who will face imprisonment or even death, but we can prepare. And to prepare is to know God's word. The word of God, when we know it, we get to know the character of God. And when we know those two things, we can't help but share the truth of God. Verse 28, so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he, Saul, spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. Hmm. We each need to be willing to engage the culture, not just for the sake of the church, but for our personal sakes as well, for we each need to be able to defend our faith. Now, I'm not a theologian. Most of y'all aren't theologians. Most of us don't even know what a theologian does or what it means, except maybe Jamie. But here's the thing. You can practice and you can share your faith. We're told in 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You can speak of his nature, of his power, of his justice, of his truth, of what he has done for you personally. Keith Robinson writes in The Encourager, God's people still offer the most basic and best proof of God. A changed life is still the best testimony of God's power. Amen? I'm, I'm telling you, I'll read that again. A changed life is the best testimony of God's power. 
Books and lessons and sermons and reasons may have their place, but the real test is in the lives of God's chosen people. If that proof is not clear and consistent, everything else is just hearsay. Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, declared to them how he had seen the Lord, how he spoke to them, and how he preached boldly. He went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Spirit. But know this, there will be a time when there will be no Tarsus that you can be sent to if you have to fear for your life because you are a Christian. Matthew 24, 9 says, There they will deliver you up to tribulation. They will put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead you astray. And because the lawlessness, lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing there in the holy place, let the reader understand. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what's in the house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back. And also for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray for them that your flight might not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as never been since the beginning of the world until now and will never be again. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Amen. Let us hope that we are of the elect. That's a tough message today. But we have real proof of what's going on in society today to prove everything that Jesus Christ said. Okay, All of his word is truth. Father, we thank you for today's word. We thank you that you have taken the time to written it. Write it, Lord. We thank you for brave men and women who have come before us, who stood in the trenches as it was, Lord God, so that we might have the many mortars and the many commentaries and the many proofs of the truth of your word over centuries, Lord. And Father, we just pray that we can be as valiant, Lord, that we can be as brave, Lord, that we will be so steadfast that when the time comes, we will stand firm in the faith. In Jesus Christ's name, the church said, amen.